Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Coming up on today's Better Together. So I've come to believe that every situation you're in has a heavier path and a lighter path. And and every moment is a choice to take the heavier path or the lighter path. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menounos. Better Together with Maria Menounos fans. It's me, Mr. Maria Menounos, sitting in for my beautiful and talented wife once again. Today we're going to figure out, Kelsey, how the heck can all us overthinkers, 90% of the world, clear out our brains to become our best selves and actually to achieve far more? I can't wait. Wouldn't you like to learn that? Oh, I would love to learn We're going to learn that today. Yes. Yes. I can't wait. There should be no shame in admitting a mistake. After all, we really are only admitting that we are now wiser than we once were. Mm. True? Very and true. And especially if you would if you admit yeah. it's a mistake, right. then you acknowledge like, okay, that, You're that I it. did something wrong here. Right. And uh yeah, like so now I'm wiser to not make that mistake again. Thank you, Greg, for that beautiful quote. Greg McEwen is the author of the New York Times best seller essentialism the discipline pursuit of less he's topped amazon goodreads and has been featured in the new york times fast company fortune HuffPost, politico and inc magazine greg is amongst 
the most popular bloggers for the Harvard Business Review and LinkedIn's Influencers Group, averaging a million views a month. He has taught Apple, Google, Facebook, Salesforce.com, Semantic, Twitter, and Vmare. Greg uh, was also named a young global leader by the World Economic Forum. He's here today to share his knowledge and, again, discuss his new book, which is the number one Amazon Amazon bestseller right now. Damn. I know. Effortless uh, is the new book. And I'm super excited to welcome him today to the show, Kelsey, because I... I, again, I know people are probably like yelling into their phones right now to say like that's me, but <laughs> yelling in their uh, cars, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Like it is a cluttered brain. So, Greg, thank you so much for coming here, and thank you for writing this book. And I can, it's not it, even when I'm reading how all the accolades the book's already getting, and the fact that it's a bestseller. None of that surprises me. What's the response been like? Oh, it's been just a thrilling response. Um, I mean, my goal when I was writing the book, <laughs> my personal goal was like, just don't write a rubbish book. Hmm. That was that was my mantra. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. I mean, that really Even after your other book, though? Even after you already succeeded once? Especially after that. That's oh. exactly the point. Is that is that because essentialism, you know, did well, uh, it, it means that you don't have as many um, gatekeepers saying, well, I don't know about this next thing. And so it's a very typical thing in the publishing world uh, that you, you know, you actually, your, your next book, your second book is a flop because no one stopped you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. so, and so you write a book that's twice as long as the first and it isn't, it's rushed and it comes out immediately and, and you haven't thought through it all. And so, so yes, this mantra was a, a real one for me. Like don't write a rubbish book, uh, wait, uh, be thoughtful. And so it's actually seven years since essentialism came out between that and effortless. Uh, and I just had to wait. And and even when I felt like it was time to write again, I still uh, paused until I could feel it's time. And, and, and as it turns out, I think I couldn't have even written effortless a few years ago. I'm confident I couldn't have done. Uh, I needed to have certain experiences that Loud effortless. So, Greg, I will tell you from writers to other people who are driven to be successful, they would not have, they would have given into the urge. I know I'm one of them. I can't tell you how many times I followed up quickly with a book or quickly with a movie mm. way too fast because mm. I was like, don't want to miss the boat, don't miss the window, sense of urgency, you know. Um, and I think probably there's lessons in the book that back up what you just did did that action of waiting those seven years right to 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 be patient and to let it come to you and you know kind of see everything but i feel like that's a mistake that a lot of people make you know yes i mean this this speaks to the subject of the first book essentialism so if you had to summarize essentialism in one word it's prioritization and this discipline pursuit of less like don't just do more stuff because the opportunity is there be selective be thoughtful and so on and the, the new book if you have to summarize effortless in one word it's simplification uh it's it's removing the the boundaries the 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 stuff we do that makes life harder than it needs to be yeah so this new book like i didn't write effortless because i think life is easy there'd be no point to write a book if it 
life was easy. Life is hard. And that's why I wrote it. It's hard in a hundred ways for people. But, but then in addition to that, we often make life harder than it needs to be. And the implication of that is that people start to burn out and they still haven't achieved the results they really wanted to achieve. So my position in this new book is that we can make a different choice, that we can at least explore if there might be an easier path, there might be an easier way to do the essential things in our lives. Because if we can find that, then we can break through to the next level of results, but without burning out. And right now, when I think about how burned out people seem to be, mm-hmm. it seems like it is coming in a way that is um, timely yes. and has the power of relevancy. I feel like, you know, it's funny, I, and this probably stuff I say on the show may get me into trouble, but from what I've seen, I feel like the 1% that owns these big businesses have, have left the major cities and gone to their farms and their beach houses, mm. and they're on Zoom expecting their staff to work three times as hard for the same, if not less money. Mm. I feel like they took the advantage of the kind of the, the fat that they had working for them. So they got rid of them, which by the way, like if they were fat, then that's on them. So I'm not, not necessarily down on that, but the good workers stayed and, and were expected to work three times for the same money. I think half of them burnt out and quit and went to live with parents or, you know, uh, and, and, and what's left is this smaller group that is still trying and is like on the verge of burnout there, you know, um, and I and that's so tragic to hear burnt out before you fulfill your dreams. I know people mm-hmm. like that. I think there's two kinds of people in the world right now. Uh, there are people who are burned out, and there are the people who know they are burned out. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I think that it's you know like, and it's actually an achievement to get in the second category because if you're in the when you're on the go twenty four seven like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. First, if you're burned out and you don't know it, which in fact is one of the things that most surprised me in my research is that the closer you get to burnout, the less likely you are to know it because the the nature of burnout is that it clouds your judgment. Mm. And so it clouds, include, that judgment is impaired in, in your self-awareness as well. And so if you're in that first category, it's very, it's actually quite natural to say, oh, I can sense things aren't the way they need to be. And you think, well, I must not be working hard enough. So you work even harder. Yep. And so this just, 
creates more and more of the same downward spiral because past a certain point, working harder has diminishing returns, but it gets even worse than that because you can get to negative returns. So for every extra unit of effort you put in, you're actually making everything worse. <laughs> you're making, you know, like in my book, I just use it as an example as a writer. If I wrote two hours a day, that was sort of ideal for me. That was optimal. I could write two pages, two average pages in two hours. If I wrote three hours, it wasn't like I could write three average pages. Suddenly it'd be sort of two and a half. So it's diminishing returns. If I worked four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, whatever, <laughs> I would, it was, that's negative returns. The manuscript is worse at the end of the day than it was at the beginning. I'd have been better off not writing at all than trying to do these sort of these big, big pushes. You actually make it worse. And so it takes some self-awareness, takes getting into the second category. So that you start to say, okay, well, I'm not going to carry on working the way I've been working. I'm going to look for an alternative path. And, and that's really, once you start getting into that second category, you, you say, okay, well, what might that path look like? And I think for people that can get to that side of this equation, they may find effortless to be useful. I think the but going back, it's, they need self-awareness, but it's hard, like you said, when your brain is foggy and uh, you're starting to get down on yourself because you're not getting the results. And the, I was always taught just work harder. Yes. So just work, you know, so you're not getting the results. Well, work harder. Yes. And the more I do this show and interview people like you, the more I realize that it's about taking those pauses and those breaks to take inventory and then get that awareness. Like, hey, wait a second, I'm burnt out. Is do you? And this might be a little off from the book, but do we have any indicators to kind of let us know we're burnt out? Yes, th those indicators do exist. I mean, some of the things that I think are helpful uh, are, I mean, just what your relationship is with other people. Uh, you just start getting to that point where every request from anybody about anything, you sort of feel a little resentful about it. Mm. You know, it, it pinches you. you know, they're, they're just making a normal request, but you're just like, oh, come on, man. You know, that that's an evidence that like there's no buffer in you anymore. And a lot of people, I think, can relate to this because what I think a lot of people did as the pandemic, you know, began, everyone's pivoting, kept pivoting to home, this huge increase in invisible work for working women, there's a 150% increase in invisible work that happens. Well, what is everyone doing? How do you handle all of that? Well, lots of people handle it by dig, you know, going, dig deep. We use that phrase. What does it mean? Use up your deep reserves. So you've built them up for over years, you're, you're relatively healthy, but then you start using that emotional and mental and physical reserves up and that gets you through, but it won't get you through for another 16 months of this. I, I was just talking to um, a CEO of a major company and he summarized it this way. Now he's one of the ones in the second category, but he, he just said, everybody's burned out right now. Yeah. Like everybody in my company is burned out right now. Right. So he is aware that he needs to find a different way of leading, that he needs to advocate a different way of achieving. <sighs> and and I think, you know, a lot of people think that, that there's only two options. They can either work harder and harder and harder, just as you said, that's yeah. like the Puritan that's idea. The 20th century, yeah. More and more hard work. Yep. Uh, it's like industrial age plus Puritanism. It creates this sort of toxic idea. 24 seven, no breaks, no pacing, no, no, just, no yep. you know, 
no rhythms. And then on the other hand, they see the other option as being lazy. You don't do the trivial stuff, don't do anything that matters. And so they, they sort of see essential and hard on the one side and easy and trivial on the other. And because they're overachievers, they end up being in the first category. There is a third alternative. There's a path that is essential but easier where you don't see uh, a virtue in suffering and exhaustion. I, I, in fact, I was just, I was working with somebody who was in this category. She's the kind of person that's up till 4 a.m. in the morning photoshopping for her youth event at church the next day. Oh boy. Uh, and, and, and no one's asking her to do that. No one thinks that's a good idea, but she somehow is in this category where she's thinking, oh, this is, she, she says, if she even eats lunch, she feels guilty. Oh. Not taking an hour out or half an hour, just even eats, she's guilty. If she's not exhausted, she's not doing enough, she's not worthy, and so on. So I said to her, listen, let's just start with a new question. Let's invert this for you. Instead of asking, yep. how can I work harder to achieve better results? Now that's her current mindset. I said, what if you could just say, how could you achieve better results by making it more effortless? Just ask that question. And so the next time she gets a call, it's from a, she, she works at the university, professor calls her and says, listen, could your team, the videography team that reports to you, could, could they come and record my class for the semester? Uh, and she is ready to jump in. See, you know, that's it. She's going to, she wants better results. She wants amazing results. She's got to do more. She says, yes, you know, we'll get the whole team there. She's thinking in her mind, we'll get multiple angles of the room. We're going to edit the whole thing. We're going to have music intro and outro graphics. We're going to wow him, you know, impress him. And then she remembers this coaching, ask a different question. Could we get the result we're looking for in an easier way? Could it be effortless even? So she pauses and asks him a couple of questions around that and finds out it's just one student that they're doing this for, who's going to miss a few classes for an athletic commitment. And so the solution they come up with together is to get another student to record those classes on a phone and send it to him. The professor's delighted. He hadn't thought about such an easy solution either. And so he goes away happy and she gets off the phone. It's 10 minutes that she's been on that call instead of four months of an entire team working to deliver something that's a complete waste of time and energy. And that was like a breakthrough for her. That was the Eureka. And, and it just serves, I think, all of us to think, what, why, what if currently it's like there's a monopoly in our minds for one way of achieving results? And what if there's an alternative way? We're just not asking that right. question. What if there's an easier path? Right. What if there's what an if, effortless path? What if we can't Sometimes work? Sometimes there isn't, but you're right. not going to find it if you don't ask the question. Please go ahead. No, you're right. It, it's, you know, work harder, not smarter. But again, it starts with that pause, which we don't do, because right, the worker just keep working right. or go to the other extreme tap out and just you know medicate or whatever fade away right but rather than pause and say okay th th there's a company you, uh, you might like this one company that I, I really like that i work with they have tasks that they don't like to do and they call it eating the frog <laughs> right and so they've decided they like to eat the frog in the morning those kind of calls if it's a legal call or something that's just not fun they try to get it out of the way but at least there's awareness. But I think if we could be aware of like, this is this task ahead of me, because it's weighing on you. You talk about this. I'm going to talk about decluttering your brain. But even knowing, let's say tomorrow I've got to get up at five in the morning and I know I'm going to have to work till midnight. Even that thought in my brain 
is weighing me down. And I've seen j- just the thought of it, let alone <laughs> the actual work. No, I mean, yeah. I, I see my wife and yeah. she's like, you know, next Wednesday and Thursday, duh, 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 uh, it's already in her mind. So I think it's taking that pause and then saying, okay, is there a hack here? Is there an easier way to do this? Um, I think that that's the first part. It seems like that's the first part in the process, but we don't do that. We, you know, we, most people either, like I said, tap out or they, they just think it's working harder. Um, can we talk a little bit about brain clutter? Yes. I mean, let's, let's make the connection between what you just said and in this brain clutter. So, um, so the, the model in, in effortless is like three pieces and they're related. I mean, they're sort of like three books. You could read them separately and still get value, but they build on each other. So it's more than just three parts. The first, the core concentric circle is effortless state. What state are you in? It's the most important part of the whole process. What state do you show up in? Because the state you're in affects circle two, which is the action you take. And then the action you take affects also the results that you're going to get. So it's state, action, and results. Effortless state will tend to produce effortless action. Effortless action will enable you to create in your life effortless results that flow to you. So the state is, you know, there are, there are two, broadly speaking, two states you can be in. You can be in a state of suffering. Um, that's, that's complaining, comparing, um, criticizing. It's exhausting. You've got all these outdated assumptions, all these burdens. You're overthinking everything. And so you just you just live this burdened life. And all of that's happening before you get to the action. So this is all burdens we just carry around with us. It's like it's not the task itself often that's overwhelming. It's all this other burden and clutter that we have. As it operates like, you know, it's, it's like our, our, our minds are like a supercomputer. They're incredibly advanced. The processing power is unbelievable. But just like even, you know, the computers that we haul around with is that, that are so impressive in lots of ways. But if they start to get cluttered, uh, then then they start to move slowly. You know, you, yes. you have to eventually clear off all of the, uh, you know, all, all the cookies that have been gathering mm-hmm. and slowing down your processing speeds. And that's that, that's the same with our minds. Uh, we have a supercomputer mind, but it gets so cluttered in this you know, all this suffering, all this way of processing, all these grudges we hold on to. And and our job is to try and simplify all of that, to declutter all of that, so that we can be mentally at rest, physically at All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Ease, emotionally, at peace. We can just be at ease in this moment and focus on what is important. So, so this is all before you get to the task. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing, and it's not something people often think about. They're saying, well, I want to make the task easier. You think specifically about the task, but for a lot of us, we're carrying a lot of burden around. I was talking to somebody recently. Uh, it was Tim Ferriss on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so w- what percentage of your mental energy have you used up by holding on to like let's say grudges and being angry that's like clutter that's not just to-do list clutter but like this is heavy stuff he said between the ages of 15 and 30 that period of his life he probably spent 60 to 70 percent of his mental energy on grudges and anger Hmm. now think of that you'd never think of like forgiveness and letting go of those things as being a productivity hack. But what else can you call it if you could get 70% of your supercomputer capability back by decluttering that area of this, uh, of, of all this unhelpful and necessary complexity? So say- yes, that's what I mean when I say declutter. It's like removing all this stuff so that you can return to your actually natural, you know, state this effortless state. It's not something you have to go fight for. You remove all the clutter. There it is. There right. you are. And I think it's when you put it that way, it makes it much um, easier to attain. Because mm. then shows people like, yeah, I'll go, okay, how do I get to be effortless? Um, I think I will tell you for myself, <laughs> probably 80 or 90% of my energy up till in, 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 until probably like a year or two ago from my teenage years till now was was uh those was anger and uh and for me i used it to drive me you mm. know and um to 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 work and yet there were definitely some results positive results but it was bad fuel yes bad fuel yeah it really is it's bad fuel i love that you're right it's bad fuel because i still have a lot of younger people who say to me that's what drives me and i'm like and i get it because it, a lot of good, good can come. But now that you put it that way, what happens with bad fuel? Well, you can drive with bad fuel, but eventually what? The engine's going to go. Things are going to happen. And um, I have found that I'm getting more, I'm getting lighter. And because of you, thanks to you for the gift of effortless, uh, I'm getting more effortless because I, during this pandemic, have found ways to let go of all of that mm-hmm. through empathy forgiveness not reconciliation necessarily but but sure. empathy and forgiveness and um and i i'm glad you said that because i think there's a lot of us i mean man right now and that's why like i always say just avoid the news avoid because that's gonna only add you know to those things that they don't serve you and i don't think they're serving your brain there's so much to riff on there i mean the the first thing I'll, I'll start with the last thing you said first, just turn the news way down. I, I got to a point where I could express something clearly about 
the media and I'm a journalism undergrad. So it's not like I'm not interested in journalism, but I just suddenly realized like, I, I don't want to be used anymore. <laughs> so much of the media is using me, you know, riling me up to be emotional about this issue or that issue. It's not actually serving. It doesn't get me to be more compassionate. It doesn't get me to serve in my community. It doesn't get me to be better to my family, to my employees, to my team. It just gets you riled up. It's just contention that gets you to click, that gets the, to serve the, the short-term agenda, talk about bad fuel again. So I think that's one thing. Just turn it way down. What percentage of your life do you want to give to these people? Now, the, the second thing that you talked about there was this 80 to 90 percent. I mean, that's amazing, right? That's to me, that's a, a huge statement that you made. And, and this idea that you by forgiving, but not necessarily reconciling, that's important, too, because the reconciling can often be, you know, that that takes somebody else and, and you you can't wait around for that. Somebody else yeah. needs to be a part of the and conversation. You could, be, you could be inviting more toxicity in to clutter your brain up. You could. With that, with, and, you know. There's this amazing story. I just had him on the What's Essential podcast, right? So I, I launched the podcast a few months ago. Uh, and I have on Chris Williams. Well, actually, I don't think the episode's out yet, but I, I've interviewed him now. He is the author of a book called Let It Go. Uh, and it, his story is unbelievable. Uh, he was just driving with his wife, unborn child, family, um, all of his kids other than one who was friend's house or church or something and and gets hit broadside by a drunk teenage driver kills his wife unborn child two of his children in the back car and injures the last he is of course totally wrecked but here's the thing is in the midst of it and i i couldn't believe he used this language because in the most the devastating experience of my life i had the same experience the same moment not quite as dramatic, of course, as his, but it was the language is exactly the same. What he said is, I sitting in the wreckage of the car, I realized I had two paths. That that's amazing because that's exactly what I've learned from. Uh, we'll get to it maybe, but he said the one path, the one path, isn't like oh, this is going to be a, just there's no there's no it's not like there's no grieving in one path, but there's a path of healing. And then there's this path of like just to, just taking this awful, awful situation and making it even worse. So there's no healing possible. And you're just wrecked for the rest of your life, right? And you, 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 your son can't heal. He needs to get through that. What about the other son who suddenly got his life wrecked? There's nothing left of you if you take that path. And so he just had a choice and he chose in the moment to forgive. Not because... He wasn't going to grieve, not because he wasn't hurt, but because he didn't want to add, in addition to that agony, a second agony that would lead him to be in suffering. And then that's what's so profound about that moment. And so when he was interviewed, even a few days later, somehow, I don't know what the circumstances were, but the media were asking about it, just local news story. He said, he said, look, man, the one thing I want everyone to do was right before um valentine's day i just want everyone just to go forgive someone do some act of service do something in the name of this and it just turned into this like movement he had thousands of people all over the world reaching out to him they see that's the power of it is that the circumstance he couldn't change anything about it but he could choose his response to it and he could choose this lighter path and so i've come to believe 
that every situation you're in has a heavier path and a lighter path. And, and every moment is a choice to take the heavier path or the lighter path. And, and, and that, you know, you, you've just borne that out as well. Like how quickly do we want to take the lighter path? We don't forgive for the other person. I mean, that's a nice advantage perhaps, but we don't forgive for them. We forgive so that we can be free. We, we've got to, here's, here's a way of putting this that I found so helpful. It's like a, a spin-off of Clayton Christensen's question that he always used to ask. He said, you know, the, the Harvard professor used to say, what am I hiring this product or service to do? I'm hiring it. For what? Not for the product, not for the service, for some benefit. What, what am I hiring it to do? I think we can do this with the grudges that we hold on to that clutter not only our mind, but our heart so much. We can just say, what am I hiring this grudge to do? And once we ask that question, we can perform a job evaluation. Well, I'm hiring this grudge to make me feel powerful. I'm one up. I won't let this go until this person, well, what? until they say they're sorry, until they show full recompense, you know, compensate me for the damage that was done until they, what? I don't know. We, we, we hold on to it. We think it gives us power. And then but when, if we do a job performance, does it make us powerful? No, it makes us enormously vulnerable. It leaves us distrusting of everybody around us. Maybe we do it to get sympathy. That's that we hire grudges to give us sympathy. But if we pay more attention and do a job evaluation, we find it doesn't really produce sympathy, very temporary sympathy in people. And that's why we have to keep finding new people to tell the story to. And so on. You find that grudges are, do not perform their job well. It's time to fire them. Hire them slow, fire them fast. Because they're using us, depleting us, and of course, cluttering our minds, making it harder to get to the work that we really came here to do. God, so well put. I think when it comes to those two paths... The problem is, um, Greg, is that people don't stop and realize they have a choice or that they need to take the time to make that choice. We just kind of, we just react, I think. And most people are just kind of reacting through life mm. and not taking those moments to say, wait, I've got two paths. I love that. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I've got a light path and I've got a heavy path. And what's the one I'm going to take? And I think that that's, uh, I'm going to ask that more of situations myself. You know, I mean, God, like I, I even had a run in the other day. I had a glass guy here and I was telling Kelsey about this guy. He wanted to, he, I, I just asked a certain quite simple question and he kind of went at me and it got really kind of aggressive. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, if you want me to move, just ask me, sir. I said, well, I did ask you to move. I said, because I was just going to go measure something. But then I said, but I'm more than happy to move you myself physically if that's what you'd like. <laughs> Not, you know, okay. And I'm looking at him and he probably saw the Italian Boston in me and was like, okay, this guy's, the, the, I just barked up the wrong tree. Then afterwards, carried that pretty much for two or three hours of the day, hating myself, ashamed mm. of myself. Mm. Also being like, why is this guy starting with us? We, we have a major tragedy going on in this house. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about Thank that. Thank you. But again, I would like to have asked myself, what's the light path in the uh, that I could have taken? And whatever the case is, it was all clutter in my brain that was of, really of no use to me other than how do I deal? You're always going to have to deal with those things, and how do I just deal with it better? What's, it the, a, what's the effortless way to deal with a goofball like that? Just so. And the, the, you know, the, the, the biblical phrase for this, right, is to agree with thine adversary quickly. And it's not, you don't even have to get to the point where you're sort of morally more developed. I suppose that helps, but, but just even a self-interested path can help you dif- discover the wisdom of that idea. Like just, do I want to do, do I want to deal with this in the light, cheap way? Do I want to take this down a heavier path? I mean, think of the, the news stories that we do come across of people who have dealt with a situation that was, yeah, it's a bad situation, but then they get aggressive. The thing escalates. You have some terrible thing ends up happening. Somebody dies. Somebody's in jail. Somebody's life is ruined. Many lives are ruined. I mean, this stuff happens. Conflict begets conflict. That is not the easier path. No, no. <laughs> there, is, there is a lighter path, a, a virtuous but lighter way to go through life. And so it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's just even first being aware that such a path exists yes. and then just, and then just recognizing, wow, I could imagine if I could take an easier path. Imagine if you could get that 80 to 90% energy back where you're already doing the work to do that. What could, if I put that onto the things that are essential, now we can actually put our full mental capacity, the supercomputer, this, this capability, creativity, energy, resourcefulness. We've got it all back. We get our lives back, our minds back. Let's bring all of that to bear on the essential work of our lives. Well, that's a great advantage. If you look at someone like Steph Curry, I was just reading an article about him today. And he, he's, you know, here he is. When he first comes into the league, the NBA, he's, uh, he's six foot three. It sort of sounds tall to the rest of us, but it's, of course, tiny. And he's in, thin. In, in he's NBA. pencil thin. He's not, yeah. Yeah, he's exactly. At a time, you know, at the time where, where, where mass was, was hugely important, you know, you've got, you've got Shaq and, 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 of course, James still now. I mean, these are, this, these are the dominant players. And he goes on to be MVP twice. How? Well, there's lots to that answer, but one of the ways how, and, and one of the things that he uses to, as, a, as a, a, a clear competitive advantage is his incredible presence, that he is right here, that he isn't thinking about the last play in this play, that he's just completely bringing all of that intelligence to this moment. And the way, I mean, just the interview I happen to be reading today, so it's not like I'm cherry picking, it just is right here today, He's just in his quote is talking about that. You know, it's just it's just I'm trying to enjoy it and be present and I'm here. 
it's like this is actually a competitive advantage. He's using this this effortless mental uh, capability as like a, a weapon. People describe him as like a ninja. And now there's a, there's more to the story. I know this isn't the whole no. thing, but you can see that this is a, this matters because then whatever abilities he has can be fully utilized instead of being angry and distracted and focused on something else and worried about something off course and and so on. It's all present here. Yeah. And so then we can start getting into well, what might the effortless and action be. And I'm a basketball fan, so I will tell you, I can see in him where it looks effortless because he is that focused but not focused to that place of like this is do or die and when mm -hmm. i think of lebron james he's totally in his head he's so physically amazing that he can dominate but the minute he's challenged in the fourth quarter he passes he's in his head like oh no i'm gonna look bad i'm gonna look shaq was distracted by he had 80 different projects going on and you could literally see like the, his ADD out there, but he was so good that he could overcompensate. But I never felt like either one of those guys was in a state of effortless. I be, I believe Magic Johnson was. Mm. He was in a state of he was he, you know Sugar Ray Leonard, who I have met a few times. Same thing, you know, very much. They could focus in that moment, but that focus didn't consume them, and they also weren't thinking about other. A million other things it was like it was laser focused but not like a psychotic kind of focus if that makes sense yeah. no i love this and, and carrying on with now the sports theme here from a, i was just talking to uh to a, a doctor who works with high performance athletes and uh, one of the phrases he used i'd never heard anyone say this i love this he said we have learned over the last 20 years in high performance uh you know athletics to, to teach people how to run fast, not hard. Oh. And I loved this because this is it's a good segue to like effortless action. There's a running hard isn't the goal. And yet you'd think it was with some of the what I think now are outdated mantras. Well, no pain, no gain. But that's a that's a run hard type idea. And it's been repeated so often it's like a soundtrack. Yeah. To use John Acuff's brilliant term for this, that's like an, an outdated soundtrack. You've got to update it with a new soundtrack. We want to run fast, not hard. Well, that's true in athletics, but it's also true in for the rest of us. We're trying to get to a certain outcome. We're not trying to just beat ourselves up. But if you get into the wrong mantra, you actually start not being able to discern between the two. It's just harder and more and do and you know, I'm beating myself up and we need to do it. And our language shows this, by the way. I mean, we talk about it, blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. An odd phrase. It starts to sound odd anyway after a while. You know, we a hard day's work. Does it have to be hard? Is it just a day's work? Could it be a fun day's work? Could it be, could it be an enjoyable day's work? Why does it have to be a hard day's work? And similarly, language on the other side, we talk about easy money. Uh, we talk about the easy way out. Like our language shows that we're caught between these two false dichotomies. There is a, this alternative. What if you could make the essential tasks the easiest activities in your life? What if you could take a chore? I mean, let me give it that way. Take something that used to be a chore. It's essential, but you don't like doing it. Now, you can make that a habit, right? You could say, okay, well, I'm going to routinize this. The same time every, same time every day, I'm going to do it in a certain 
never going to miss a day. I'm going to have a running streak. All that's good. That will make it easier. But then there's a third thing that people think of less, which is a ritual. Could I take a chore that's drudgery and turn it into a ritual? What's a ritual? A ritual is a habit with a soul. <laughs> a ritual is something that you enjoy the actual act itself. A habit is like what you do. A ritual is how you do it. And you can craft things to become um, to become uh, enjoyable, fulfilling, rewarding. For example, I'll give you an example. A chore in our household, a very practical example, right? But a chore in our household is cleaning up after dinner. And we've already made dinner actually a, a good ritual most of the time for us. And we we do we do like you know we'll. we'll, we'll hold toasts to people. We'll celebrate every win from the day. We'll go around, we'll cheer each other, we'll clap, we'll tell stories, we laugh, it's entertaining. It's good. The whole, the, not always, sometimes it's a disaster. Of course. But plenty of times it works. But after dinner, cleaning up, that's the worst, right? My children, I got four children. They're all basically teenagers now. Uh, they're just gone. They're like uh, stealthily out of there. Quietly turn around and where, where did everybody go? It's amazing. No one ever said a word. They're just gone. And then my cat and mouse pulling them back. Come on, we've got to do this. See, no one is enjoying this. It's a chore. Now we could make it a habit. We started to try and make it a habit this way. We said, okay. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Well, we're going to divide up responsibilities. We're going to train everyone on what to do. We're going to have it set jobs every day so we don't have to rethink this. And that helped a bit. But it wasn't until my eldest daughter added something that changed the experience into something enjoyable that it really changed. What she did, it was just simple. She just added karaoke music, like Disney classics. Some people are going to hate Disney classics. That's not going to work for them. That's fine. This is, a, this is a, something that worked for us. As soon as they did that, someone started singing to it. Then the other people started saying, it's like a dance party. It literally became this, this fun activity. And, and I thought people aren't going to believe it. So the other day when they were doing it, I wasn't even there helping. I wasn't even overseeing it. They were doing it. And I just captured a few seconds video of it and put it on Instagram just to be like, see, like for real, you can turn something, not just from drudgery and a chore into a habit. You can turn it into a ritual. And, and, and this, I think, is a good example of like how you can make the action itself uh, more effortless i i uh for god for two decades i had to get up and clean dog poop and uh you know i've made it as best i can into a ritual you know i have fun with the dogs and i you know it's like i and i i'm looking forward to um 
I look forward to doing it. I feel like it's, I don't know, it's, it's humbling in a way and mm. it grounds me. And then, um, it's kind of cool. Like, Hey, we're ready to start the day, you know, like yeah. get, get in the shower and I don't know, but I do, I, I like that. I think there's, I, you know, we, Kelsey and I were talking about this. I've had some pretty miserable jobs. I, I was, a, I worked in the carnival business for years, uh, mm. selling food and that, um, and that meant a lot of travel, a lot of heavy lifting. Mm. And uh, working with ex-cons and junkies. But I said to Kelsey, you know, we, at some point, I just ma- turned it into an adventure. I'm like, we're right. going to Lollapalooza in New York. Mm. Now we're going to go down to some rib cook-off, I don't know, in Pennsylvania. Now we're going to go to, we're down to Florida, Alligator Alley for, you know. And it just, that's how I started looking at it. And then it wasn't so bad, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I love that idea of switching it to an adventure because then the work doesn't, you can find a game in it, something that we did in our family and is, you know, travel was something I didn't love doing. It was part of my work. I do keynotes at conferences, but um, but it was really family unfriendly. And, that you know, that was like the least good thing about it. And so we say, okay, well, what if I could maybe take one of the children with me whenever I travel? Mm. We did that about 80% of the time before COVID and because travel just changed. Um, But what happened with that is that I thought it would be good for the children. It was more of me investing in them while they'll come with me. But what I didn't realize is that it it made the whole thing a, a ritual for me too. I mean, we, instead of just okay, chore, I'm going to get in the car, go to the airport, go to the flight, hotel, repeat on the way back. It was everything became an adventure. Wherever you are, they were noticing, they were experiencing, and so they would help me to be present and experience it. So if you're going to go to a restaurant, find something fun, find something interesting, have an experience, have an adventure. If uh, if we've got a few hours before the flight, let's see what museum there is in the area. Let's go and do something together. And so we've been to all sorts of children's museums and art museums and I, before this, I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't even tell you where I'd been. <laughs> Wouldn't even know right. what city I'd been in because you're just there and it's, the whole thing is just flowing for you. Yeah, I think in the book, don't you talk about fi- finding ways to associate these things? You know, aren't there t- techniques you offer about associating um, these things with positive ways? So we're not looking at it like eat the frog. We're not looking at it as something negative. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that we're sort of circling here is just the idea that the simple idea of pairing essential things with enjoyable things. Yes. If you can, if you can take something that to you is essential, the cleaning up uh, after dinner, right? It's an essential uh-huh. thing. It's a practical thing. And if you compare it with something that you is enjoyable for you, that you're going to do anyway, that you're look for, looking forward to doing, you can start to create something, construct something. Uh, that that is uh, that actually fuels you in in in, in a positive way, uh, and so I mean I don't know you're talking about the dogs and cleaning up after the dogs, and, and maybe you're happy with where you are. It sounds like it's a habit for sure, but I wonder. I mean, if there, is there a podcast that you only listen? To, you know, you love listening to. That's your maybe time. that's yeah. maybe that's the only time you should listen to it is when you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, so that so that you say, look, this is a thing. I actually I'm looking forward to this moment, in my day, this quiet of the day, but also this investment. I know someone who wants to run on a treadmill. I, mean, I, 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 I do not care for running on treadmills, um, but it, you know he's willing to do that, but he wants to make it funner and carry through and be consistent. So he, that's what he does. That's what made me think of it, a podcast that he loves to listen to. It's the only time he's allowed to listen to it now is if he's on the treadmill running. 
and of course that makes him more consistent and he gets all the cumulative advantage of, uh, of, of being consistent to it. And that's really sort of the argument here is that, is that if you can make the essential things the easiest things, then your chance of doing them goes up considerably. Yeah. You know, doing them consistently instead of this, this you know, just occasionally uh, intermittent execution. Most people can do something once in a while, but then you're like starting back to the beginning. Lots of people want to write a book. The question is, is can you work on it every day consistently? Well, one way to do that more consistently is to make it more enjoyable, to make it easier. Another way to make it easier is to, is to set a pace that's effortless. Uh, so I mentioned that already. For me, with writing, it's two pages a day two average pages a day. You don't have to do more than that. Anyone who writes two average pages a day consistently can end up writing anything they want. Anything's open to them. They can write books, no problem. It's actually extremely fast writing is two average pages a day. But what people have in their minds is that they think, oh my goodness, if I've got to write the big novel, if I've got to write the, uh, the book, uh, yeah, the bestseller, they think, oh, I've got to write in it. I've got to 12 hours a day. And that's impossible. And it's overwhelmed before they start it. Maybe they did it one day, 12 hours. They do, well, they can't sustain it day two. So they're out before they've barely begun. So what I found helpful, no matter what the goal is, is to have not just a lower bound, right? Like for me, maybe it's like you open the document and write 100 words. Maybe that's the lower bound. But the higher bound, it, having an upper bound is more counterintuitive. So like on a good day, you feel like, wow, I could write 10 pages. No, but you don't. That's the whole thing. And so you have an upper bound that you restrain yourself. And you say, well, I'm not going to do it just because I can. And that means that you maintain your health and your appetite for day two. Maybe day two, you jump feeling into it as much, but you go, well, but it's only, eh, it's just, I gotta do, I'm gonna do two pages. Uh, and, you know, I'm not gonna do more than that when I get to, I'm done. And with writing, and, could it be, could you all, instead of doing pages, because let's say you're doing the screenplay, let's say you're doing sure. your journal, could you yep. say, I'm going to do two hours? Because I think early in the conversation you said. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you can, there's, you can do about, you can do it number of words, you can do number of pages, you could be time allotment. Uh, journal specifically, I have a little experience with that. Uh, you know, 10 plus years ago, I just decided, okay, I want to write a journal every day. I'd written it intermittently, effectively my whole life. I, I just don't want to miss a day anymore. I just want to get to the point where I just never miss. And so I say, okay, lower bound, one sentence. Never more than one sentence. Never less than one sentence, excuse me. Uh, never more than five sentences. Now, that's the key. That's the big breakthrough, is that the temptation when people start writing their journals, they, they just write two, three pages. It takes them an hour. It takes them two hours. It's a veritable essay. Well, day two, even literally day two, they're like, I'm out. It's just too much. Day three, they're going to make up for day two. It's like they, they feel bad, feel a little discouraged with it. No more than five sentences a day. No matter how late it is, you just you write one sentence, no more than five, until this thing is just fluid, until you never miss. And it's been, I'm pretty sure that I have not missed a day now in 10 years. All right, you guys, that wraps up part one of our amazing episode with Greg. Stick around tomorrow. We have part two for you. And it's, it's another good one. So make sure you tune in and get more of Greg's life hacks, his lessons, and all of his tools and tips so you can be effortless. All right, you guys.
Stay tuned. Hey, Hill Squad. We have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.